You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we dive into an Oscar-winning Studio Ghibli film, and it's finally time to tackle the original version of The Departed, Infernal Affairs. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I win. Shall we begin? Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Podcast, everyone. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. Got a fun episode here. And I got a funny story to tell you before I dive into it. The episode is 2002. And last week I did advertise that I was going to do three films. Have to cut back, audible at the last second, if you will, and talk about two, only two films this week. I, I mentioned Killer Joe uh, last week that I was going to watch it, and I did. And then I, as I was preparing, writing my notes, I was like, wait a second. Spirited Away, Infernal Affairs are 2002 movies, and Killer Joe's 2012. I got 10 years apart. I, I was a week behind on Killer Joe. I could have added that to the Hunger Games Avengers episode, but uh, it was not. If you would like to hear my thoughts on Killer Joe, I've decided to push that to the main show of the podcast. I'll be on there with just Terry this upcoming week uh, discussing some Christmas movies, and then I'm going to throw in Killer Joe. So I think that's it's only fitting to talk about this NC-17 film on there uh, with him, and who's never seen it either. So uh, really excited for today's episode. I was able to finally watch a film that I really truly feel is a big blind spot for myself, and that is Infernal Affairs. I finally knocked that out. Uh, really interested to dive into that franchise because unlike The Departed, this Infernal Affairs is three films, and I got I bought the Criterion Collection, so it's three films. I think it's normally like eighty bucks. Oh no, it was a like hundred dollar uh, Blu-ray box set of all three films however got it for the criterion sale and i got it for 50 so uh savings is a key at this time of year and my wife always around this time also is a time where my wife's like always saying hey criterion sales there get what you need now so you can stop bugging me later so i got some good titles on this last criterion uh pickup there i got i got the sound of metal i got the power of the dog a wally at the first you know, Pixar collaboration they did. I picked that up. And then Infernal Affairs. I think all really good ones to add to my collection there. I really, I dove into Sound of Metal again. That's a really great movie. My wife, uh, um, convinced my wife to finally watch it. And she enjoyed it too. Maybe not as much as I did. Definitely not as much as I did. But it was it was really good. I'm looking forward to diving into Power of Dog, The Power of the Dog as well. Uh, I, I really like that movie. Uh, it's borderline top 10 for me last year. So we'll see where it falls this year. Oh, I just thought of another film that I bought, too. The Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That's going to be a, a first-time watch next year. So I had to pick that up as well when it's on sale. Perfect time to do so, right? But anyway, let's pump the brakes on what I bought and picked up and everything like that. Today's episode, man, you know, great films, I think. A really solid episode here. We've got a top 100 movie in Spirited Away uh, discussion here with Studio Ghibli. I was really kind of hesitant to do a Studio Ghibli film because those are just so iconic really great animation and i haven't really done any animated movies on these revisits or even first time watches here but i definitely wanted to tackle spirited away i think it was it was key and when i saw infernal affairs was 2002 i was like i knew that was going to be a headline episode 
And then I was like, you know, Spirit Away. Let's let's tag these two movies together. I think it's gonna be a really solid episode. But I, I will be kicking it off with Studio Ghibli's film Spirit Away as the first review of the day. Honey, don't take a shortcut. You always get us lost. From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki. What is it? Come on, let's go in. I want to see what's on the other side. Where are you going? Hey! You said just a quick look. Now let's go back. You shouldn't be here. Get out of here now. What? Leave before it gets dark. You've got to get across the river. Go. I'll distract them. Don't be afraid. I'm Master Haku. No! I just want to help you. No! In worlds seen and unseen, where spirits are transformed, <laughs> and sorcerers rule, <laughs> the witch Ibaba controls you by stealing your name. If you completely forget it, you'll never find your way home. Your name belongs to me now. One girl's future depends on her judgment. Aren't you getting wet out there? I'll leave the door open for you. <gasps> her courage. It's Haku! He's hurt! Haku! Haku! This way! Her loyalty. Haku helped me before. Now I want to help him. Everyone, I need my shoes and clothes, please. And remembering one thing above all else. I want you to know my real name. It's Chihiro. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli film. Experience a magical movie phenomenon. Embraced by all the world. Let's go! This fall, prepare to be spirited away. Spirited Away is a PG film with a two-hour and five-minute runtime. It's written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki and starring Rumi Haraji, Mayu Arino, and Mary Natsuki. So this is going to be a little story time to kick off the review here. we got to go back to 2019 when I first saw and experienced, experienced Spirited Away. I saw it at the Grand Cinema. It's a local independent theater here in Tacoma. I saw that it was playing, and I know I'd never seen it. I knew that it won the Oscar for Best Animated Picture, and I heard, I've heard so many great things about this classic animated film from Studio Ghibli. I thought about it, and I was like, you know what, I, I might as well just go see it, because it, it makes me go see a movie that week, and I get to experience something um, kind of iconic on the big screen. So it's a perfect opportunity to go do so as well. So at that point, I, I believe I only watched like one Studio Ghibli film before uh, this this one currently, and that was Howl's Moving Castle. The Howl's Moving Castle is an incredible achievement of the imagination that I was really impressed by it. And it's still one of my favorite Studio Ghibli films or animated films. Not animated films, I should say anime films that I've ever seen. It's it's up there with like the Spirit Away is one of my favorites as well, with your name being the other non-Studio Ghibli um you know, entry. 
So I really didn't know what to expect going into Spirited Away. I had heard so many great things, like I said, and I knew it had won the Oscar. So I, I, there were some really good high expectations, I should say. When I got to the theater, I it was sold out too. I, I had got got there a little early, so I got a seat, and the, the theater slowly started packing. And Grand Cinema is not the the biggest theater, mind you. However, it, it sold out, and I was really kind of excited for it. I'm like, seeing a, a movie with a packed crowd is always a lot of fun. Unless you get like a hot late night Halloween screening and then you get people recording it and drunk. And it, I've had that experience at that theater. But this was a nice like Saturday morning uh, viewing and it was still, it was an experience and I really liked it. So so if you've never seen Spirited Away or it's been a while, the synopsis on IMDb has it as an animation, adventure, and family film. And the synopsis reads... During her family's move to the suburbs, a 10-year-old girl wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits, and where humans are changed into beasts. So it's a very interesting description, I would say, about this movie. But it's also one of those movies that it's really kind of hard to explain what it's about. Essentially, it's a 10-year-old girl trying to rescue her family and change them back because they got changed into pigs. It sounds completely like ridiculous and kind of only in animated films would even touch this kind of source material. So intriguing and amazingly shot and it's beautifully animated as well. So let's dive into the stuff that I really kind of stuck out to me this time around. The movie kicks off with Chihiro and her family moving. And immediately right there it completely captures every feeling that I had growing up as a kid moving. And I moved around a lot as a kid, not because we were in the military, just because we moved based off work for my parents and stuff like that, and closer to family, and sometimes further away from family, depending on the situation, I guess. But anyway, it completely captures that feeling from the kid's perspective about what moving is and what it's perceived to be. It shows you that sadness of losing a friend and... I'm going to miss those friends, and I'll never have friends again, basically. You really feel the sadness that Chihiro is having in those moments in the opening. But also there's the curiosity of new places to explore. So when they get to the, a certain spot, they, the whole family gets out of the car, and that kind of hesitation about moving to a new place kind of slowly goes by the wayside, and she has this really curiosity to explore this new uh, adventure that her family is on, essentially. So it definitely captures those feelings that you can relate to that you probably have had when you were a kid as well. And I think that really does a really good job correlating from you know, paper to screen here and something that we can all can relate to. The world that Chihiro is thrown into in this adventure here is completely and utterly realized. It is such a, like, a world to behold and wonder at and like, I want to spend more time in it. And I want to go places that the main character doesn't go into. I want to see what this world has to offer. I want to solve the mysteries that the world does have in it. I think it's a really good source of world building there that everything is fully realized and completely original. And it's kind of breathtaking in that aspect that they were able to pull something off like this. The family goes into this kind of abandoned town and they see... And they, the father really smells a bunch of food cooking. And he goes over to the table. And the mom and 
father are eating this food, and Shihiro is hesitant. She's like, no, we shouldn't do this. We're going to get in trouble. And come to find out, nightfall happens, and all every human in this world essentially turns to animals once nightfall happens, and it's the world's taken over by spirits at that point, and gods and witches and such like that. And Chihiro, there's, of course, these magic berries that she's able to take so she can live in this world for the time being to change her family back from um, the pig-like state that they got turned into. So it is a, an interesting world, and seeing the whole world come to life at night and seeing all the, the colors and the beautifully animated sceneries and characters, really awesome to see. Uh, from the, the moment that the Ogino family stepped foot into what looks like an abandoned village, you get this feeling that something is about to happen too, which is another really cool aspect too, because it's you're, you're as curious to why no one's around as the Ogino family is. Talking about the characters, not just the main characters, but the little side characters and the people that she uh, she passes in the halls of this bathhouse here that she. Seeing the characters that Chihiro interacts with, not just the people that she's talking to, but even the people she's walking past in the village or into this big giant uh, bathhouse that she does have to uh, find a job in, I guess, to help get her parents back. Every character in this bathhouse and on the streets of this village are uniquely animated in a way that you can see what creature they are or what vegetable they are. And the imagination of the animators that are on full display here. And it is a treat to be uh, to behold, honestly. Uh, the world building is incredible. You're left in the state of wonder as Chihiro continues the adventures into this bathhouse. And like I said, I want to explore more of this world because I feel like there's so many different rooms in this bathhouse here that the movie wants to show you and kind of winking at the camera. And it's like, there's so much more to this world. You guys don't even know. And I want to, I want to know that the adventures that we could have, if we just take a left instead of going right, like the characters do. There's a character in this movie called the Keonashi or the no face as he's called in the English version here. He is one of the more iconic studio Ghibli cre creations. I would say he's the character with a black spirit with like just a, a mask on. One of the most iconic symbols that Studio Ghibli does have. He's up there with Totoro from My Neighbor, My Neighbor Totoro. And I think those are the two more iconic characters that Ghibli has put out there. And watching this again, it when he's on screen, you know something weird is about to happen, or you're really kind of like creeped out. He plays, he comes across kind of like a a villain in a horror film. He's hiding in the shadows. You don't know what to expect until. Uh, He's a secondary. He's the secondary antagonist in the movie, but he feels like he's one of the, the bigger bad guys in the film, and it, it is very interesting. Like I said, he does come across as that horror icon, but he's in he's an animated film, so it's uh, he's he has a a turn here. Uh, when he does enter the uh, Ubaba's bathhouse, is where he it really becomes wild. It becomes it's a sight to behold with some crazy animation that really comes across really disgusting, and I put that the best way possible, honestly. It has this really uh, darker animation that really kind of makes you kind of like disgusted looking at it because essentially in the scenes is he's eating a bunch of food and he's just becoming bigger and bigger and fat. Then he eats this one little thing and he throws everything up. So it's kind of a grotesque animation style there. But he does have a cool little redemption with your hero 
near the end of the movie as well. So I really like the Kanashi no or no face here, and he's just definitely one of the more iconic characters that this world has to offer. The voice acting here is incredible from the entire uh, cast here. I want to point out two different versions. I watched the Japanese version in theater, the grand, and I watched it in English this time around. Uh, both actors actresses did a great job as Chihiro. Rumi Harachi, as the main voice, brings this innocence to her. I think they both actually really do, but I really liked her version probably even a little better. Just something about her voice really fits that character. Uh, she, she's known also for like Ponyo and Up on Poppy Hill. And then Chihiro in the English version is by... Uh, uh, Davy Chase, who's also known for... She had a huge 2002, by the way. I just want to point this out. She was in Lilo and Stitch, The Ring, and, and she's also been in Donnie Darko, too. But Lilo and Stitch, the, the Ring, and Spirited Away for 2002. What a big year for this young actress here. Uh, so definitely uh, give shout-outs for that. The one thing I really have to say for the negatives, and it's not really bad, it's kind of like I have questions about this, is that once your parents turn into pigs, she immediately seeks a job. I've always found that kind of jarring. I was, I, She doesn't really question what's going on in this world too much. And you're not, she's just given this one answer and she kind of accepts it and she just goes, I'm going to do all do this, uh, all this stuff here, go to point A to point B. I need to seek a job, try to get my parents back. And it always feels to me like she would be asking more questions, especially now, I guess. It would be like she was going to be asking a ton of questions. And I think we're also just so used to like Disney animated style of like films that you, you should have like this nice little high period and then a low period and go back up to the top again. And um, I think that this film kind of breaks expectations from northern audiences for it's not not Disney. It's not like a DreamWorks dream film. It's Ghibli. They do their own. They play by their own rules. They don't give you the answers that you're looking for. They just say, "This is what's going on. This is the world we're in. Deal with it." And I absolutely love that too. So, uh, Spirit. In closing, really, I want to say, Spirit Away is this like an all-time great animated film. The story is unique and moving. Chihiro's journey of love. It's a beautiful story worth watching. It's a top 100 film for me of all time, falling at number 66. So. Absolutely really like this. It may be a little high on my top 100 list, but it, I think it's definitely deserving a top 100 spot. It'd be interesting to see if we redid our list in a couple years where this would fall, but it's definitely a top 100 movie. I would never move it out of the top 100. It is a solid animation film. And every time I watch it, I, I pick up little things of humor, and I really had a fun time watching it with my uh, my sister-in-law, Saklali's, this, this week in... We watched it together, actually, the whole family. The whole family kind of sat around, and we all watched, and it was it was a really fun time. So go see Spirit Away. If you haven't, it's definitely worth your time. So our next review is going to be Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs is rated R and has a 1 hour and 41 minute runtime. It's directed by Andrew Lau and Alan Mack. Written by Alan Mack and Felix Chong, starring Andy Lau, Tony Chi Hua Ling, Kelly Chin, and Eric Zhang. I mispronounced her name. I do apologize, of course. So before I jump into what I really thought about Infernal Affairs here, I gotta throw this out there. We gotta talk about my expectations going into this movie first. It's no secret if you have followed Almost Sideways for any period of time that my favorite film is The Departed. You can see that on our website as well. I love that movie to no end, and it really never gets old to me. 
Scorsese really did a fantastic job with that movie, along with the talented cast as well. DiCaprio, Damon, Jack Nicholson, some of my favorites right there. And some of you may not know that the film was actually a remake of this film, Infernal Affairs, for American audiences. I've known that fact for a while now, so I've, I've always felt that I should watch Infernal Affairs. And I, I, I thought for a while I was never actually going to watch it until I just I started doing these revisits and uh, first-time watches for the podcast. I really decided that's where I was going to head to. And I was, I was planning out my year a few months back, and I came across, like, well, 2002 is celebrating its anniversary, and Infernal Affairs is technically a 2002 movie in Hong Kong. I need to knock off this huge blind spot. It's always felt like a huge blind spot and a total biz, big miss in my uh, film-watching journey. And honestly, I think part of the reason why I never watched it before was that I didn't really watch international movies as much as I probably should have. And I feel like that's part of the kind of like the category of movies I don't really watch too much. And I've definitely been doing a lot better as the years have gone on. But that's it's definitely one of the reasons why that was holding me back from watching Infernal Affairs so much. So with that said, I've finally watched this amazing movie. And even though there's going to be a technicality with this film as well, based off release date, kind of like how we discussed Perfect Blue a couple months back, this film technically came out in Hong Kong in 2002, but didn't hit the states until 2004, so I guess technically on our website it's a 2004 film, but it's still celebrating its 20th anniversary, so I, I just wanted to talk about it. And also, and also we got its official Criterion release, three set, it's a three-film box set in November, so it's a perfect time to honor this amazing film. One last thing before we jump into what I really liked about the movie. I posted my excitement watching this film on Twitter. And the Criterion Collection even liked my post. So that's always really cool and exciting when that does happen. So the synopsis on IMDb does read. A story between a mole in the police department and an undercover cop. Their objectives are the same. To find out who the mole is and who is the cop. This movie really kicks off, and I think the best thing about this movie is that it moves really quickly, and it's also really accessible. It's not a complicated film at all, and even watching this movie now, I know exactly where we're at in The Departed when I'm watching this movie. It is pretty awesome to see. Obviously, this is the original version, so The Departed definitely takes some liberties with some of the source material, but the key points, the key moments in the Infernal Affairs is honored in the remake. And I absolutely loved that as well. I loved watching this and seeing how the two films were so similar and picking up the subtle differences between them as well. There's some things that are different between both films and that makes them unique uh, films as well. Infernal Affairs really doesn't have any wasted frames. It moves super quick. It's paced really well. And it's crazy because... There's things that happen in The Departed that's like an, only an hour or like over an hour and a half in. And it happens like in the 45 minute mark in Infernal Affairs. It's really crazy how much how padded The Departed is compared to this movie. Because there's really no wasted time. There's just like we're having these characters. There's big, good character development. You're getting invested into the cop and the mole here in the Infernal Affairs. And the performances are really great in... They, they don't mess around in this movie. While it's easy to compare the two films, both of them have things that do set them apart from each other. So, for instance, The Parted, 
you never see Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon really interact much unless they're like almost like about to figure each other out. But Infernal Affairs, what's so layered about this movie is that the undercover cop and the mole actually have an interaction that without them even knowing the interaction even occurred until much later on in the film where it's revealed, they know who each they are, which I thought was really cool. We have our undercover cop working at an electronics store where he's selling stereos and the, the mole comes in to buy a stereo and they have this really good interaction where they're just listening to music and about these auxiliary cables they have a discussion about them which ones actually place older songs better basically the undercover cops makes the mole a deal about the stereo set and that was a really quick interaction but it pays off near the end of the movie and that was really fascinating we never actually saw that and also in infernal affairs we see our big bad guy the big mobster guy actually do the the video cassette the recording um, and where that's a big, like, big deal in The Departed that actually the big mobster of the movie Jack Nicholson in The Departed was actually doing the recording the conversation to which in this one it's revealed really fast that he's recording all the conversations and actually shows our undercover cop exactly where they're at and where they're stored. So it's no big secret that he's recording stuff. It's very interesting the different dynamic between the two films. And that's where I was really having a hard time comparing the two different versions. Because I, I know The Departed so well. And Infernal Affairs is something new, but also very similar. And I had to make sure, like, this is the original version. So the performances here also, they're really layered. And I, Tony Chu Wei Ling stands out, he stands out as the cop who goes into recovery. I liked how he was a man who was broken down by his life. And he was really tired of being undercover. He wanted to get out. It, in The Departed, going back to comparing it here, Leonardo DiCaprio seems like he's only working like a bad, this bad guy for a couple months in that movie. No, in this one, he's been undercover for 10 years. He's worked with like three different mobsters. So much different and a different layer to that character than he was in The Departed. I really liked that, that they actually went there. And he actually said, no, he's been doing this for a couple of years now, like 10 years now where we see one of the leaders of the police force actually die, and there's only one person left that actually knows he's a cop. And he's done three different, like, different mobsters that he's worked with. I thought that was awesome change. And also, I wish they kind of maybe did that with the other film. Uh, uh, he's also the Best Actor winner f at the Asian Film Critics for this performance here. And let's talk about Andy Lau, the guy who was the, the mole. He's such a good mole in this this police force. It makes me excited to see what he does in Infernal Affairs 3. Now, Infernal Affairs 2 is actually a prequel to this movie, so we will see Andy Lau return in Infernal, Infernal Affairs 3. So I'm really excited to see what he what happens next to this character. And Eric Zhang, he plays Han Sam, this mob leader here. While not as intimidating leader as the departed Jack Nicholson did give us, he has this cunning nature to him that makes him really interesting. He is really subtle with his things, and he's really deliberate with his uh, his actions, too. And it's also a really good standout performance there, so I really liked seeing that. Uh, some things maybe I wouldn't say is bad, but just kind of wanted a little more information on it, kind of in the middle there. The ending is just as shocking as The Departed. Obviously, this is they got their ending from this movie. I just wanted a little bit more to happen to Andy Lau's character. I Like I said, I know The Departed so well. I know how that one ends. But there's three films in this franchise here. 
And so I have to wait to see what happens to that character in Infernal Affairs 3. I did not read the synopsis on the other two movies. I just know one is a prequel and the other one's a sequel. So I'm going to leave myself some room there to be kind of invested and dive more into that world. But overall, I really liked this movie a lot. The scenes were so familiar with differences that had me glued to my screen. The idea of diving back into this world again with the two other films is so exciting. Infernal Affairs laid some really great groundwork for what makes The Departed so good. I think The Departed takes this original source material and kind of elevates it in a way, but also makes it a unique and interesting story. Obviously one of my favorite films of all time. The big difference in seeing these two different, um, these different worlds of mobsters, I think, is really awesome. And one thing I didn't point out as well: Infernal Affairs doesn't have any cursing in it, which I think is another interesting aspect. The Departed has so many foul, so much foul language in it. Where Infernal Affairs, I can't recall a single time where I read, you know, the word like a bad word or anything like that. So very interesting uh, that aspect as well. Overall, Infernal Affairs, I'm giving this three and a half stars. It's currently going to be my number three film of 2004, right between Before Sunset and Ray. It's a borderline four star movie. I feel like I, you know what, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I I may just give it four stars. I I think I really don't have anything negative about it, and I think possibly my love for The Departed. I love that movie so much that Infernal Affairs is on the same tier as The Departed. I like The Departed more, but Infernal Affairs definitely is deserving of, of four stars because it had this great legacy to it and what it makes it so much better. So I, I'm giving Infernal Affairs four stars. I, I think it's deserving to be there, and it's a great film. All right, so that is our episode for today. Two films with four-star ratings. And I think that's the first that I've done on Daily Notes here. And that's I, I'm not I, that's a good thing. It's been a, it was a good, some good movies, man. I, I absolutely liked both of them. Next week's episode is going to be entertaining as well. Going back to 2017, talking about a film called Stronger, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Always been intrigued by that movie, and I'm looking forward to watching that for the very first time. And we're also going to be discussing. A film that I absolutely did not like the first time I watched it in theaters. And I thought I was, something was wrong with me. But now the outcry is kind of divided on the movie. And that is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Looking forward to rewatching with a new set of eyes. And hopefully I really like it a lot more. Uh, I definitely am hopeful for it. So looking forward to it next week. Until next time, I will see you on the episode. Bye-bye.